just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope the start of your week is going well. Yesterday, of course, was Martin Luther King Day. I've always had a lot of respect for Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. It seemed like they fought and fought against insurmountable odds, but they kept fighting. They gained some ground. We haven't fixed racism as yet, but they keep working. They keep fighting. Now, the thing with racism in me is that I've always seen that as the epitome of being a bully, racist anyway, and I fucking hate bullies. So anytime I see somebody bullying somebody, whether they be racist or some punk in a schoolyard, I have to say something. I have to do something. And I think it has a lot to do with having a father who was a narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological liar, and a racist who enjoyed bullying his kids when we were growing up. When I got old enough, big enough, and tough enough, he had to stop. Otherwise, I was going to stop him. And so after that, whenever I see bullies, I remember my father, I remember those situations, and I remember how helpless you feel, how helpless you are at that time. If anybody needs help at any moment in their life, it's then. And that's why I've always felt strongly about Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. It's only right, it's only fair that everybody has equal rights. But Martin Luther King Day reminds me of a moment in my life, and it stands out in my mind very vividly. Gives you an idea of how much impact that moment had with me. I was seven or eight years old. It was the late 60s, South Minneapolis. I was coming home from school with my best friend, and we're going to my best friend's house. We're going to play Hot Wheels and watch Gilligan's Island. The best kind of day, the best kind of afternoon for South Minneapolis in the 60s. And before we started playing Hot Wheels and watching Gilligan's Island, My friend and I were talking about what we were learning in school that day, and that day we were learning about Martin Luther King. Now, his father was home. He was a mid-40s, evangelical, blue-collar, South Minneapolis guy. He wasn't a very pleasant or a very bright man. But I'm seven or eight years old. We're talking about Martin Luther King. He walks into the kitchen, walks right up to me and says, who are you talking about? And I very happily said, Dr. Martin Luther King. And he looked at me very sternly and he said, Martin Luther King is a criminal. He's been in jail. Now, I'm seven or eight. I'd never heard that. I said, why would he be in jail? All he wants to do is have equal rights for his people. And he looked at me again. He said, stay right there. He walked into another room, grabbed a Bible. Now, you got to keep in mind, this guy's an evangelical, so there are fucking Bibles everywhere. But he grabbed this one. He walked into the room and stood in front of me and opened it up. Now, I don't know if he was reading a passage, making up a passage, or uh, interpreting a passage incorrectly. But he looked at me, and he said that the Bible told him 
that God created certain people, black people, to be subservient to white people. Well, this just blew me away. My mom was constantly sending me to church, confirmation, all these things. I'd never, ever, ever fucking heard that. But again, I'm seven or eight years old. He's an adult. I just nod my head and uh, we go play Hot Wheels and watch television. Well, later on, I go home and I see my mom and I tell her what uh, my friend's dad told me. Now, what you have to understand about my mom is she was very sweet, very quiet, very non-confrontational. She would never swear in front of me when I was seven or eight years old. But as I told her what he said, she was absolutely horrified and incensed. And she looked me right in the face, and she said, that is fucking utter bullshit. And then she went over the phone and called my friend's father. I'm not sure how the conversation actually went, but what I do know is that she never stopped talking throughout the length of the phone call. So I don't think it went very well for my friend's dad. Now, after that, I was never invited back to my friend's house. I don't know if that was my mom's doing or my friend's father's doing, but uh, that's fine. I didn't feel comfortable after I heard that statement from his father. I didn't really feel comfortable or safe going over there, so I was fine with not going back. My friend did come to my house, uh, and hopefully my mom had some influence on him after all the time he spent with his father. I don't know for sure. I don't know where that man is now. But the saddest part of that story As we sit here in 2022, there still are a lot of people out there that are unevolved, that think the same way, say the same things, do the same things that that man did in that kitchen in the late 60s in South Minneapolis. They're still the same. There is absolutely no changes in spite of all the things that have happened in that time, nearly more than 50 years. They have not fucking changed. And that is a sad commentary on this country. It makes me sad that we haven't been bright enough to evolve and understand that people are people. Color doesn't really make a difference any more than hair color, eye color, or whatever. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's silly. And these people are dangerous. And they're still out there. They're still following Donald Trump and the Republican Party. They're still racist, and they're still trying to hold down the black community, stop them from voting, stop them from their natural rights. That is absolutely frightening. After 50 years, that's not how this country should be. We should have learned some lessons. We should have changed some things. And now we sit here having to fight over the prospect of voting rights, which we'll talk about soon, in spite of the fact we should all know better. It's fucking troubling. That story, people say, well, you remember that very vividly. Yeah, and I don't think at seven years old I understood how important it was to me or what it told me or what it taught me. But in retrospect, at 61 years old, I look back at it and I say, yeah, that was a, that was a big deal. That really hit home with me. And that might have put me on the path of supporting civil rights and Martin Luther King and other activists 
along the years. Anyway, you know, I ask people to send me Gmail emails. Do that at rationalboomer at gmail.com or voicemails at anchor.fm. Go to Rational Boomer Podcast and leave a voicemail. Well, I've had a few uh, emails. I've had a few voice messages, and I got another email yesterday, or maybe it was today. No, it was yesterday. And uh, I just wanted to read it for you. This comes from a gentleman by the name of Gordon. He's written a couple of times, and I appreciate it. He says, hello, my friend. I've not written for a bit. I'm really loving your TikTok and podcast. They're the highlight of my day. I just laugh as I work. I was wondering if you had a guess as to how long SCOTUS will take the Supreme Court, is of course what he's talking about, will take to hear Diaper Donnie's appeal or not hear it. Why is that taking so long? We need to see those documents soon. I was also wondering if you feel like the feds will get involved in the forged documents sent to Washington about the state's electoral votes. Thanks for your time, Gordon. Well, Gordon, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And for those folks that don't know what he's talking about, you'll remember that there are some documents from the White House in and around the insurrection that are at the National Archives. The House Select Committee has asked them for them to get more information about what happened on January 6th. And, of course, Donald Trump sued to keep them hidden. He lost the first case. He appealed it. He lost that case. And now that case has been sent to the Supreme Court, the final appeal. Now, it's an absolutely ridiculous case. There is no basis in law. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's no way he can win it. So what Gordon's asking here is that case has been sent to the Supreme Court. Now, when they look at this, they can do one of two things. They can look at it and say, yeah, we're not going to hear that. That's not worthy of our time, which is what they should do and what they probably will do. But they could choose to take it on. But even if they do take it on, all it will do is extend the time and they will ultimately have to vote no against Donald Trump's claim to keep these documents hidden. So it went to the Supreme Court. Now, Gordon's wondering how long it's going to take before the Supreme Court makes a ruling on as to whether they're going to hear it or not. And that's a good question. Every other court in the land that's looked at this has sped this along. Donald Trump has done this only to delay But it hasn't worked out well for him because the uh, federal court and the appeals court took it up very quickly, answered it very quickly, and he was shut down very quickly. So his attempt to delay was thwarted in that case. Now, of course, the next thing to delay it is to go to the Supreme Court, even though he knows he's not going to lose and presumably they're not even going to hear it. Now, when the Supreme Court does finally make that decision, Donald Trump's hope is gone. There's nothing more he can do from stopping getting these documents released. Nothing. He's done. There is no more tricks in Donald Trump's bag to stop these documents from being released to the House Select Committee. But how long will it take? Now, I think we've all been presuming that since the courts, the lower courts, have moved this along pretty quickly— that the Supreme Court would do the same thing. Now, the Supreme Court isn't known for doing anything quickly. 
hopefully the pressure and the importance of this particular case would weigh in with these uh, Supreme Court justices, and we hope it does. Unfortunately, we've got six conservative and three liberal. And theoretically, these conservative judges, while they don't like to give the perception that they are partisan, quite clearly, they are very partisan, which diminishes the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. You have to wonder what the Supreme Court is even worth now. I presume that they are going to come back and say that they will not hear this. I mean, I've said this before. Every year, the Supreme Court gets 10,000 requests to hear a case. And in that year, they will hear maybe 65. Do they really have the time to hear a case that has no basis in law? I would assume not. The only reason they would decide to hear it is because of their partisan behavior. But they know that, and they know how obvious this case is. And since they're sensitive about appearing partisan, that's why I'm I'm suggesting they're going to say, we just want to stay out of it, we're not going to hear it, and then it will be done. There'll be less hassle for them if they do that. But when are they going to do that? I don't know. I'm hoping that it'll be soon because of all the pressures around what is going on and the limited time to the midterms. If the Supreme Court has a thread of decency, credibility, and legitimacy, it will be soon. I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks they say, yeah, we're not going to hear this. And then all those documents are released to the House Select Committee. But I don't honestly know. We can't trust the, the Supreme Court to do the right thing, do the honorable thing. And that's the unfortunate situation here. We have a Supreme Court. They call them the Supreme Court because they are the highest court in the land. And you would assume that they would act accordingly. But as we've seen, they don't necessarily do that. I'm guessing in the next couple of weeks or even shorter than that, they will come back and say they won't hear it. But we don't know for sure what's exactly going to happen. And that's the unfortunate thing. Now, Gordon also asked about these forged documents. We talked about that. It was the seven states in this country, all swing states where Donald Trump lost, where these fake electors created a certificate and then sent it into the National Archives, which, quite frankly, is fraud. Absolute fraud. Complete, utter fraud. And he's asking whether um, whether the feds will get involved in this. I don't think they have any question to get involved in it. It's very flagrant. It's very blatant. It's very in-your-face. And it's absolutely fucking illegal. If the feds don't get involved with it, they are going to take a lot of fucking heat. So, yes, I do think they will get involved. It's really interesting to see how this is all shaking out. We're finding out that congressmen, uh, people in the Oval Office, were all involved in planning and facilitating this insurrection. We've got the sedition charges to the Oath Keepers, but that's just the start. Proud Boys, One Percenters. Ultimately, members of Congress, and ultimately, people in the House of are the um, the the White House and the Oval Office, they will be exposed. They will be indicted. Again, 
It's weird to indict a sitting member of Congress, but this is so flagrant, so anti-democratic, so problematic that they have no fucking choice. They can't wiggle around this or play games and not do it. They have to do it. Otherwise, Merrick Garland and the DOJ are going to be in some deep shit. This country will not tolerate that. So, yes, I do think the feds will get involved in it. I don't think the feds have any choice but to get involved in it. They've got to. They absolutely have to. So we'll keep our fingers crossed on both those things. We hope the uh, Supreme Court comes back with a decision on the Donald Trump document thing. And uh, I hope to God that the feds get involved in these documents. It's really showing a lot of what went on in this insurrection and this attempt to undermine democracy and overthrow our government. It wasn't just a bunch of crazy, redneck, toothless motherfuckers running into the Capitol. There were plans ahead of time, and there were plans by people in power. They also made plans to do these documents and send them out to the National Archives in hopes to usurp the original electors, the true electors. Now, it was a stupid idea. It was never going to work, but these aren't very bright people. But they did the insurrection. They did these phony documents. And now we're hearing that Donald Trump somehow got involved with the census and wanted to undermine the census. And people wonder why, why that would be a problem, why that would do anything. Well, here's the thing. The census is all about counting people in this country and creating districts for congressmen and senators and whatever, and state reps. Now, if a bunch of people, people of color, presumably, don't get counted, that changes the districts. And uh, that is a very insidious way to try to affect the elections. But when you look at it as a whole, we've got members of Congress and the White House involved in planning this insurrection, this attack on the Capitol. Then we've got um, people in seven states sending out these documents. Here's the funny thing about those documents. They're all very similar. And a couple of people already said that they've been directed by the White House, by the Oval Office, in order how to do it, what to do, and when to do it. Again, that's part of a conspiracy. Members of Congress, the Republicans, were involved in the insurrection. They are involved in the situation with sending out these uh, phony certificates of ascertainment for the electors, having phony electors sign these phony certifications. Somehow, it was guided and directed by the White House and Congress. And then you've got the census thing, and of course, that's Donald Trump, sticking his nose into the census, which he shouldn't do. And that's directly tracked back to the White House. Yeah, it's a, it's a frightening thing. It's a frightening thing that uh, this is going on. But it is. And I think the feds are going to have a field day. They have absolutely no choice but to get involved in all of these things. Now, I saw something interesting yesterday. I saw a videotape of Donald Trump at his rally. He said that Joe Biden is having trouble 
with the supply chain. <laughs> he said, we never even talked about the supply chain. He, he used the wrong word. He said change. And then he corrected it and he said, who knew about the supply chain? Well, you see, Donald, that's the fucking problem. The pandemic started while you were in office. The issues with the supply chain started when you were in office. The fact that you don't even know what it is, that you didn't talk about it, that you didn't even think about it, is one of the main reasons why we had a problem with the supply chain. That coupled with the fact we had a huge event that affected the supply chain. And then all of a sudden, people are buying more things again, and they have to uh, ramp up the supply chain process. And they're still in the process of doing it. But you see, Donald Trump did nothing. And that's part of the reason why we have the supply chain problem, or did. Um, it's funny. They told us that uh, Joe Biden was canceling Christmas because of the supply chain. Well, Christmas came and went, and I saw no issues with the supply chain. And I'll be honest with you. We kept hearing about gas prices, and I've been out to California, and they are high out there. But here in Minnesota, I've never seen the gas prices go up above 325 they're down around 314 right now. So I never saw the $4 a gallon gas, $5 a gallon gas. I've never seen that. But this is a very similar situation to what Donald Trump would, did with COVID. Now, he's telling people uh, that he was vaccinated and such, and they booed him, so he thought he'd take a different tact, and he did, and we'll talk more about that later. But let's take a look at covid he said it was a hoax. He said it would go away. He did absolutely nothing to manage it. The committee that was in charge of managing pandemics was fired. The book that was created in order to handle a pandemic was thrown out. Donald Trump did absolutely fucking nothing. He did zero. And what do we end up? We end up with a pandemic that we're still living with today more than 800, maybe closing in on 900,000 Americans dead because of it. See, this is how Donald Trump does things. He makes a fucking mess, and then he waits till somebody else cleans it up and then blames them for it. Donald Trump screwed up with COVID. He screwed up with the supply chain. And now Joe Biden has to clean up his mess because of his incompetence. And then he has the audacity to blame Joe Biden for the problem. Donald Trump has done nothing but fail his whole life. And then he blames it on somebody else while some other person bails him out. He's never accomplished anything on his own. He's never been successful. And whether we're talking about the supply chain or COVID or any other number of things, Donald Trump, you can try to blame Joe Biden or the Democrats or whoever the fuck you want to blame, but it's on you. It's pretty clear it's you. You're an idiot. You're incompetent. You're a fool. You're a danger to this country. It's on you, dumb fuck. Dumb fuck diaper Donnie. It's on you. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. All right, either today or tomorrow, Tuesday or Wednesday, the chickens are going to come home to roost. We know the Democrats need to pass this voting rights bill. In fact, the John Lewis Freedom to Vote Act and the Voting Rights Bill both need to be passed. 
Now, we know the Republicans don't want any part of this. The fact of the matter is, if there are voting rights and people of color are protected, they're going to start losing. And they're more concerned about losing than saving our democracy. They're willing to sacrifice our democracy in order to maintain power. That's just who these fucks are. And as soon as you learn that, you realize that their time is short. They're scrambling now. They're desperate now because they still have a little bit of an edge. They still can cheat. But here's what's going to happen. The old white men are starting to die off. They're starting to lose power. The younger people, like the millennials, are coming in, even Gen Xers to a certain extent. And the people even younger than that. And guess what? We've got more brown people coming to this country. Soon, white men or white people in general will be the minority. Now, these Republicans know this. They're trying to struggle and scrap and scrape to maintain power as long as they can. But you can do these voter suppression bills. You can do all this shit. Ultimately, you're going to be sucked under in the current because there will be just too many people. You won't have enough people to win a fucking race. If you were smart, you would find a way to appeal to those people because they are the future. They are the future, and if they are the future and you keep stepping on their toes, well, then the Republican Party has no fucking future. But Republicans aren't good at looking at the long game. It's all about now, and they don't understand what's going to happen down the road if they do the things they do. So now, the intention tomorrow or today is to go to the Senate and vote on the John Lewis Freedom to Vote Act and the Voting Rights Bill. Now, these have both been passed through the House of Representatives. That's already been passed. All it has to do is pass the Senate. But because of the filibuster, it needs to pass by a, 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 a supermajority, 60 votes. But as I said, not one Republican is for voting rights. And you would need at least 10 Republicans to vote for this in order for it to pass. The only other option is to carve out the filibuster to make it a simple majority of 51 votes. Then it could theoretically pass. Now, here's the thing. Christian Cinema, Joe Manchin, say, well, we're all for the voting rights bills. Yeah, we're all for that. And when they vote for it tomorrow or today, they will probably vote for the voting rights bill. But unfortunately, they'll only get 51 votes, and that won't be enough, according to the supermajority through the filibuster. So then the next step is, can we carve out the filibuster? Now, they only need 51 votes for that. So theoretically, that should be pretty easy. But for whatever reason, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema aren't willing to carve out the filibuster. So even though they claim they voted for voting rights, they will be the ones responsible for stopping voting rights being passed. They're trying to play both sides of the field. They think that filibuster is sacrosanct. Well, it's not. It's never been used for much of anything other than uh, racism and diminishing people of color. 
a lot of people think this was in the uh, Constitution. It was not in the Constitution, the filibuster. This is some rule they made up after the fact to accommodate whatever it is that they want to accommodate. Now, Christian cinema has a valid concern, but not in this situation. I, th- I think we've talked about this before. With the filibuster, here it is. You've got a majority. They can vote anything they want in. But if you have the filibuster, then the minority party can say, oh, we're going to need a, uh, a supermajority of 60 votes. And then essentially, the minority party can shut down what the majority party wants to do. Now, the way Christian cinema understands it is that if you diminish the filibuster and you get what you want, but when the Republicans get in, they'll just shove things through. And to an extent, she's right. You know, it's like what I said. You got to look at the long game. I'm going to do this now, but how will this affect me down the road? And to a certain extent, she's correct. But here's the deal. The Republicans have already been shoving shit down the Democrats' throats. They've already been carving out the filibuster any time they want. So by not doing this, you don't save yourself anything. You limit what you can do. Not to mention the fact that this is about racism. This is about our democracy. Now, I think Manchin and Cinema honestly believe they can say, well, I voted for the bill, but I voted against the filibuster. They can play both sides. But the fact of the matter is, is they're getting a lot of heat. Uh, the African-American community, Democrats, are doing the right thing. They're exposing all that's going on. This vote in the Senate is presumably not going to pass. Chuck Schumer knows that. Nancy Pelosi knows that. It's not going to pass. But what they're doing is trying to expose the people who refuse to vote for voting rights, forcing them to stand up and say, no, I don't want voting rights. Not so much for the Republicans, because we know the Republicans are going to do it because they don't know any better and they're fucking stupid enough to do it. But this makes Manchin and Cinema stand up and say, Yeah, I'm against voting rights. Well, I actually voted for voting rights, but I'm not going to vote for the filibuster. (laughs) Cinema and Manchin will say, well, we need this vote to be bipartisan if we want it to be strong enough. Martin Luther King III was down speaking in Arizona because that's where Christian cinema is from. And he's trying to create some heat on Christian cinema, and he is, to be perfectly honest with you. It's ironic that while he's down there talking about voter uh, voting rights, Donald Trump is in the same state, same town, trying to, provo- to promote racism and voter suppression. But MLK third said something very interesting. We've got... Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema saying, we've got to have it bipartisan. Well, Martin Luther King pointed out that the 14th Amendment um, to abolish slavery, that wasn't a bipartisan vote. And neither was giving people of color the right to vote. That wasn't bipartisan either. So if you're against anything that's not bipartisan, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, you must be against abolishing slavery and giving people of color the vote. 
You see what he's doing here. He's putting the pressure on them. He's putting things in their face that they can't answer. Now, whether Martin Luther King III or the Democrats can put enough pressure on Manchin and Cinema, I don't know. These people haven't been very trustworthy. They haven't been willing to do the right thing to help and save this country. So I don't know if that pressure will do any good where they will vote for the filibuster and get these voting rights bill passed. But trust, over the past weekend and uh, yesterday, they are pounding on these people, trying to embarrass them, trying to pressure them. And all during the MLK holiday. Couldn't have worked out better. These thing, these people think they've got this game. I can vote for the voting rights, but not the filibuster, and I'll be fine. No. Martin Luther King III and other people have pointed out, if you do what you say you're going to do and vote against the filibuster, forever you will be remembered as people that fought against democracy, fought for racism. Whether you think you deserve it or not, that's what you'll be remembered for. And I remember uh, just recently hearing from a, a woman named Representative Beattie. I don't know where she's from, what state. Um, she's a middle-aged black woman. She's a representative in the House. You might remember there were some protests uh, in the Capitol. She was arrested. The representative was arrested. And she was asked about... Uh, what will happen? What problems will occur for the people of her race and of the Democratic Party if they don't pass this voting rights bill? And she made a excellent point. She said, well, if this doesn't pass, we'll do it and we'll do it and we'll do it again. But it isn't what's going to happen to African-American or black people or people of color. It's not what's going to happen to them. It's going to be what happens to these senators that decide they don't believe in voting rights, Manchin and Cinema, and the Republicans for that matter. She said, people of color, people of the black community will not forget this. And they do get out and vote. Remember, one of the main reasons Joe Biden won in 2020 is because of the black women of this country. So these people think they're playing both sides. But if they block this voting rights bill, unholy hell will be brought down on them by the black voters in this country. And those people in this country that happen to be white that support voting rights, that support anti-racism. That's what's hanging over the head of cinema and mansion. How they're going to look in history, their legacy. You know, a lot of times they think they can just do these things, hide from it, and get by and slip by, and nobody will recognize, nobody will remember. Well, the way the Democrats are doing this, by taking this vote, and by the way the uh, black community is exposing these people for who they are, I'll guarantee you nobody's going to forget, especially the black community in this country. And clearly the black community has a lot of power when it comes to elections. If they have to wait five hours in line to get their vote in, they damn sure will do it. 
They fucking did it in 2020. They'll do it when Manchin and Cinema come up. They'll do it when the Republicans who voted against this come up. Elections are a numbers game. The more people that come out, that's who wins. And for years and years, we've seen apathy where people just didn't get out and vote. But in 2020, we saw people that were scared shitless about the idea of Trump getting back in office, and 81 million people voted for Joe Biden, the largest number of votes for any president in history. So for the Republicans in this country, for the likes of Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, if they don't do the right thing and make sure this voting rights bill pass, they are going to pay a heavy price, not only in elections and votes, but in their legacy and how they'll be remembered in history. And you know what? They know it. They know it. They might try to bet against it and hope against hope that it doesn't affect them, but it's going to. It's going to affect them in a big fucking way. Well, here's something interesting to Matt Gates. We keep hearing about Matt Gates and everybody's saying, when's something going to happen? Well, we're getting closer. We're getting much closer. And I'll tell you why. First of all, we know that Matt Gates' ex-girlfriend testified in front of the grand jury about Matt Gates. And she had a lot of information to give on Matt Gates. But here's the interesting thing we just found out. She was also given immunity. Immunity from what? Well, apparently she was involved enough where she could have been charged with obstruction. But now she has immunity. But let me tell you something. They don't give you immunity unless you're giving them something good. Something bigger something more powerful. She's no doubt giving information about Matt Gates, But I have reason to believe that there are other politicians in Florida that are tied up in this whole mess, maybe a Ron DeSantis or a Marco Rubio or whoever. So this woman was given immunity to testify which she has done. That's already over. And then you'll remember Joe Greenberg, who is Matt Gates's buddy, and of course Matt Gates is saying, I don't hardly know him, which is absolute bullshit, and we can prove it because there are texts, there's emails, there's times they've had pictures together. They knew each other very well. Now, Joe Greenberg is giving information up on Matt Gates, and he's kind of been delaying this a little bit. He gave a bunch of information so he could get some time knocked off his his uh, sentence. See, he's already been convicted. And he wanted to get time taken off a sentence because essentially this guy would be in there for life. So he gave some information and he got some things knocked off. And then he said, you look, if you give me another 90 days, I'll give you more information. And surprisingly, the Department of Justice said, okay, well, that date is about up. In March, he's going to be sentenced. And at some time before March, something's going to happen to Matt Gates. They have all the information they need from Joel Greenberg and from his ex-girlfriend. I'm sure Matt Gates is starting to feel the pressure now. He's in trouble. They're already investigating him directly. And they've got these buddies of his giving up all kinds of information essentially going to shut him down. 
So for those of you who have been wondering what's going to happen to Matt Gates and when are we going to see something, well, the time is becoming short. At some point between now and March, we're going to hear what's going on. And that's not very long. I mean, February is a short month. Remember that. And Matt Gates' buddy, Joel Greenberg's being sentenced in March. So if you've been waiting to hear what's going to happen with Matt Gates, well, get ready. His closest friends and confidants have given up information about him. His girlfriend sought and got immunity, so you know she gave up some good shit. Time is coming. It is slow, and I know it's frustrating, but it's coming. Matt Gates isn't going to slip out of this with nothing. That's just not possible. It's not going to happen, so don't worry. It'll be a joyous day when he is finally indicted. And then maybe later on, we find out that he's indicted for something to do with the insurrection. So we'll be watching this very closely to see what happens. You know, there was a special election down in Florida for a rep for the House of Representatives. There was a uh, representative named Elsie Hastings who died in April. Now, there was an election, special election set up, but Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor down in uh, Florida, did everything he could to del- do to delay the election for the special election for this representative. And the reason he did that is because every as long as there was not a representative from Florida in the House of Representatives, there would be one less Democrat because Elsie Hastings was a Democrat. So he wanted to delay it. He wanted to game the system as they do. Well, they had the special election, and it was Sheila, uh, let's see if I can pronounce this correctly, Phyllis McCormick. She is the Democrat in Florida. And she was running against a Republican by the name of Jason Mariner. Now, this is a highly Democratic district, so it's not unusual that the Democrat would win. And that's why DeSantis wanted to delay it. The longer time that the seat wasn't filled, the more advantage the Republicans would have or the less advantage the Democrats would have in the House of Representatives. Well, this election uh, went pretty well for the Democrats. Ms. McCormick received... 43,663 votes. That's 78.9% of all voters. Jason Mariner got 10,823. That's 19.6% of the vote. That's less than 20% of the vote. So that's a pretty easy win. Sheila is going to be uh, uh, sworn in at some time very soon, and she's going to take office. But you'll be surprised by this. Even though he lost by nearly 60%, 60%, Jason Mariner, the Republicans, not conceding. He thinks there might have been some election fraud, and they're going to come up with some facts very soon, and it'll be pretty obvious. This dumb fuck lost by 60% in an all-democratic district, and he's going to play this game. This should be a red flag to us that every fucking Republican, no matter how bad they lose, is going to say, nope, there was election fraud. Now, that's going to cost us time and money, and it's fucking ridiculous. 
This is why this voting rights bill has to pass. This is why we have to crack down on these anti-democratic insurrectionist fucks. We need to stop this. We don't need to play this many games. We've got a lot of things we need to fix here. And if a woman wins by 60% of the vote in Florida, she should be sworn in and take office, which is going to happen. But this crying little punk, Jason Mariner, is going to whine and cry. I'm not going to concede. It was too close to call. Motherfucker, you lost by 50,000 votes. It, 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 it's really appalling to see what the Republicans are doing. And that's why the voting rights bill and some of the other things with the insurrection and exposing these people for the forged documents that were sent in need to be exposed, need to be held accountable, need to be prosecuted and found guilty. That's the only way we're going to stop these people unless there is some accountability for this bullshit. Now, Florida will have a Democratic member in the House like they did with Elsie Hastings. This time it will be Miss McCormick. But they still have to dick around with it. They still have to play games. And the reason they do this is to put some uncertainty on elections. Like every election of election fraud, even though there has been absolutely no evidence anywhere at any time of any election fraud of any, any amount. There has been some election fraud. It's mostly been Republicans, but it's been one or two or three or five votes. It's not been a big deal. There's always a little bit of election fraud in every election. But when we're talking about a few votes here and there, it obviously has no bearing on the election. So it's absolutely ridiculous to claim election fraud every fucking time. But clearly, that's what Republicans are going to do. And all that is going to do is cost time, money, and hinder democracy in this country. We need to shut this down. We need to shut these people off, shut them out, and get them the fuck out of the way. They are nothing but an enemy of this country, of democracy, and they are a hindrance to our proceeding in the future. Just a fucking sad day in this world when we have these kind of people running around and having any kind of power and authority at all. They need to be taken down, they need to be neutralized, and they need to be sent away. And hopefully, hopefully we can do that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the Senate with this voting rights bills. If Manchin and Cinema fuck up and they don't allow it to happen... Lord, have mercy on their soul, because they are going to pay a fucking heavy price. And so are the Republicans. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time, spending the time with me here. And uh, if you have questions, comments, complaints, send an email direct to rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find Rational Boomer podcast and leave a voicemail. All right, you have a great day. We'll keep our fingers crossed for positive things, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.